This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Waypoint UK podcast, episode 11 for May 18th, 2017. Hopefully, we're recording this a little bit early, so hopefully the world hasn't ended between now and then. Uh, my name is Mike Divis, Senior Editor at Waypoint. I'm joined today for a bit of a special podcast, I guess, a bit of a featured game podcast, um, because why not? We like to mix it up a bit, uh, by Steve Burns. Hello, Mike. How's it going? It's going all right. You've been here before. I have. On a previous... When, when, talking what, a load of nonsense to you about video bullshit. games. Yeah. I mean, that's this what we like to do, isn't I it? I mean, really? that is the industry, isn't it? That's the whole gaming I mean, industry, yeah. And uh, speaking of bullshit in the games industry, um, I, I don't know, sorry, Ed. I don't know why I said that. That's un- quite, com- quite all right. It's completely unreasonable. Ed Smith is with us as well, albeit on Skype this time. You, you obviously here again... You were here again. You were here before as well, uh, a few months back, weren't you? We were talking about Wildlands and how much you really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm still playing Wildlands. Uh, finished it, started it again, finished it, started it a third time. It's excellent. I, I, and, I, I know what you uh, mean. Yeah, I'm hoping we're going to really dedicate some time to talking about Wildlands again this episode. I think we should. I mean, of all the Ubisoft games with lots of waypoints, it's probably the best Ubisoft game with all of the waypoints, but none of the towers. But anyway... Uh, what we want to talk about today isn't uh, Ghost Recon or anything. Um, it's Max Payne 3, because on the day you're hearing this, or the day it's uh, become available anyway, it's actually the fifth anniversary of Max Payne 3 coming out uh, in the UK and other parts of the world. On the Xbox and PlayStation 3, at least anyway, there was a small delay for PC, uh, which I think Rockstar did as well with GTA, didn't they? PC version came out later as well on that. And probably, well, of course, uh, Red Dead Redemption's PC edition is... <laughs> never gonna happen um so yeah a spoiler warning right now this is a very very uh max Payne 3 exclusively max Payne 3 focused podcast so we're going to be delving into all kinds of spoilers about rockstar's game uh the third game in the max Payne series obviously why it's good why we like it why we don't what works what doesn't 
you know, why you should play it today or not. Um, it's just a nice novel twist on our usual kind of magazine-y formula to do a more of a deep dive on one game. So, um, Max Payne 3, collectively developed and published by Rockstar. And I, I've written down in my notes, I'm not really sure which studio did what, but there's a lot of them involved. Leeds, New York, uh, Vancouver, definitely, possibly others. Um, you guys, when did this game kind of fall into your laps and, and you first took it for a spin? Uh, I got this game the day it came out. I remember it well. Well, not well, but I remember it. Um, <laughs> I hope you remember it well enough, Ed. <laughs> We're going to do a whole podcast. Uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, I got this game the first day it came out and uh, completed it over the, the first weekend that it was out. So, yeah, I was, I was waiting for this game and was there from the beginning. Which is always nice to see. I mean, I, I got it uh, at release as well. Uh, and I can't remember if I played it straight through. But I, I remember it not taking very long, although when I replayed it uh, over the last few days or over the last couple of weeks, really, on and off, it, it seemed to take a lot longer than I remember. Uh, Steve, what about yourself? Uh, so I got it... Well, I didn't... In fact, I reviewed it. So I played... So I went to Rockstar's uh, London office to have a little look at it. But not play it, you know, just have a little look at it. You weren't allowed to play it. Uh, you know what, I can't remember. It's, you know, <laughs> it's a long, I'm an old man now. So I was young when it came out. And uh, so we went there and then I played the multiplayer there and then I reviewed it. So had it a bit earlier, but not not massively earlier. But yeah, uh, yeah I remember thinking, wow, this is both the Max Payne game that I thought it would be and definitely not the Max Payne game that I thought it would be. <laughs> I had to hold those two things in my head simultaneously, which, as a games journalist, is a very difficult proposition. We don't do balancing acts very no, well. absolutely Or juggling. Not. Dissonance or... <laughs> is bad. Everything is I've good. I've heard that. I've heard that dissonance is an issue in video gaming in so many ways. Uh, but, but what I was looking into the game a little bit for my notes. Obviously, it came out in 2012. It was intended for March that year, but eventually came out in May. Take Two, who obviously own Rockstar, well, I say obviously, if, if you know about games, you probably know that. Um, they kept moving the game back and back and back mm -hmm. originally because um, Take Two picked up the license some years prior to uh, the game uh, coming out. Yep. It was originally scheduled for 2009. Yes, it was. Yeah. Which seems, that seems like quite a delay <laughs> of yeah, three years. It was. I mean, do either of you know why, why Take Two, why Rockstar were pushing that back? I mean, I'm trying to think what they were making at the time. Obviously, Red Dead was happening. Well, I think from various rumors, speculation, and some things that uh, some people from Rockstar have said, that, that in that period, there was issues, I think, for Rockstar. If you think that Elie Noir, which they didn't make, but they kind of took they over, had problems. Uh, Red Dead Redemption, quite you know, famously and seriously, had a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. And I think Max Payne 3 really did have uh, quite a lot, which I don't think were actually fully sorted for release. I think the game is is like one of the best 7 out of 10s that I've ever played. And it's one of those games that just sits in my brain. And every now and then I just think of, oh, Max Payne 3, you know, that was that had some really cool stuff in it. Like other games just go in and then just immediately get flushed. Yeah, Like there are so many good games or games that you've given good scores to that you kind of just, they are good and they're competent and maybe you like them. Max Payne 3, I think because it wasn't, it 
didn't deliver on all the things that it was going to apparently just sits there as this kind of nearly classic or this this nearly game in a lot of ways but going back to it you're like man there's some really good stuff in it some really really good stuff and that's the stuff you remember yeah i mean i you know replaying it i've I've discovered a lot of that good stuff and some not so good stuff as well but i mean ed um, you wrote a piece for uh i want to say pre-waypoint uh when it was (laughs) when it was vice gaming um like your kind of take on max Payne 3 certainly for that piece and uh was that it was your favorite game to bear the rockstar badge i mean what why does this game for you stand out i mean i i I guess i kind of side with steve in so much as you know it's one of my favorite seven out of tens you know you can see we're all the all the bits that could be improved are, but at the same time, there's something about it that sticks around. And even before this podcast was was planned in my head, I, I kept on thinking, I really want to, you know, at some point, I want to go back to that game, which which obviously, you know, shows there's something about it. So, so what is your, I guess, personal something about this game? Uh, well, I should say first of all that for me to say it's the the best game Rockstar has produced in my mind, that's not enormous praise because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not bowled over by a lot of their work i think you're quite into la noir as well aren't you i mean I, yeah I, I but they, again not... they, they publish that yeah and um yeah red dead redemption's okay but it's it's so derivative of so many westerns and grand theft auto 5 is catastrophic and ga4 is dead good um but again i think max Payne 3 is better i i like it a lot this game and if we were doing a sort of desert island games i would probably put it in there but i certainly don't think it's above a good kicking i think part of the reason that i enjoy it is because it's also it's an enjoyable game to criticize it's a good one to bat back and forth it's a an interesting game to talk about um but yeah it's it's not good without you know uh mitigation or or caveat there's a lot of things about max Payne 3 which uh you can you can deride quite rightly uh and i'd i'd like to talk about those i think i think that the What's happened with Max Payne 3 over the last five years is that it's starting to undergo a kind of revisionist um, reappraisal. And yeah. what, what can happen in those periods is that people get a little bit too uh, sort of febrile about it and everyone wants to talk about how much better this game is than people remember. But Max Payne 3 has, has got shortcomings. And uh, yeah, they, I think they're as, as enjoyable to talk about as its qualities. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, you know, when it when it came out, you, you look at the review scores it got, and they were, they were, they were actually higher than I maybe anticipated. Looking back, you know, there's a lot of high eighties across the the three versions. I mean, did, do you think that level the level of praise it attracted from a lot of people is that because of the precedent set by the previous games and because of kind of Rockstar's, um, I guess, public perception, the kind of the games they put out before. Mm. Obviously, this is coming out after GTA 4, which was very, very well loved, sold a lot of copies. Do you, do you think the kind of heritage of the of the series, and you know, you've got to remember that Remedy, while they didn't make this game, they advised on it. Remedy, of course, who, who made the first two Max Payne games. So there's a lot of, there's still plenty of old Max Payne in this game. And Rockstar, I, I, I'm struggling to think of the last time Rockstar were you know, put out a game that was kind of critically mauled. You guys can probably help me if there's been one. I'm trying to, I can't think of one really. Was it? I don't think it was mauled. I think I gave it something like 78, which, you know, (laughs) which is is, is a mauling, apparently. Well, yes, of course. Um, But no, for me, I think Ed's right in, in some instances there that I think the reason why it sticks in people's brains is because of its shortcomings as much as uh, as much as how well it executes certain things. Um, yeah, I can't think of a Rockstar game really as in one that they they made and didn't just publish. I mean, didn't they 
they did a state of emergency, didn't they? <laughs> so, but um, but it, I think it is the one which attracted, I would say, the most criticism. And I think the reasons for those are many and varied. But uh, yeah, I, I remember thinking at the time it was unusual for a Rockstar game when you're speaking amongst the game's press for it to to have that much pushback. Usually when you're playing a GTA or a Red Dead, etc., it's just, you know, the, a bit of a love-in, which, you know, I, I really like those games. It's fine. But it was unusual at the time in that world to be like, have you played Max Payne 3? It's like, yeah, it's, it's okay, but there's, yeah, it's not, there's some really bad bits. And then you're like, whoa, guys, what's <laughs> but happening? I, I, my first, I think, I'm glad it reviewed well. I think it deserved to be reviewed well. But I don't think it was... I don't think it was praised for the right reasons. I don't think it was criticised for the right reasons. Like the game deserves a few slaps, and it also deserves, you know, like to be to be talked up. But I think, and I, I was, I didn't write about it because I hadn't really started working this job in 2012. It's a bit before my time, and uh, but I can remember being infused by things that, in hindsight, I think are the less interesting parts of the game, and also being critical of things that, in hindsight, are not the game's sort of steepest problems um so I'm, I'm glad that it's getting talked about again this game because it is it's fascinating uh yeah yeah did you both come into it i mean as i did with with previous max Payne experiences i, I really enjoyed the second max I, Payne game I, I i didn't get the time i should have taken with the first it it, it, it was a little bit I, I didn't get a ps2 until after max Payne and max Payne 2 were already out and then i only actually played uh, Max Payne 2 because the 360 had it backwards compatible you know you could play a few original Xbox games on it so I did did it that way um, but I really enjoyed that obviously that's Mona Sachs at Al and, and there are there are callbacks to that in Max Payne 3 um, but I mean did you both have prior experiences and did that I, help shape your appreciation of this game I played this, the first two games substantially I think right. that first that first Max Payne game is probably instrumental in getting me interested in games in the first place um, in a kind of serious sense. Yeah, I, I played the first two a lot by the time the third one came out. Yeah, same. I thought the... I remember reading about the original Max Payne in Arcade Magazine, and this was got to be 1999, 2000 sort of era, and it had been in the works for years, and you know it had all this kind of hype behind it, but it had a stupid name. It and, is a stupid name. Well, that, we'll get on to that. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, there was, I think there was a little caption, you know, in the preview roundups, you used to get in magazines, <sighs> you know, might as well be talking about a track now, but, um, you know, so you'd, you'd put in all the, all the games that were meant to be coming out and anyone that, any games that had slipped. And I did this when I became a writer on a magazine, you know, you just include an image and it's probably the same image six months in a row. So there were no new shots. And I remember them saying something along the lines of, yeah, it's probably never going to come out. Um, and yeah, it did. And I remember I, I found it to be amazing. Um, not just because I, I thought that the graphics were good. It, you know, it's got the square, it's like the golden eye square faces, but yeah. for a new generation. I mean, it's Sam Lake's it, face as well, it, which yeah. is great, isn't it? But it looked, but it wasn't just that it was good. It had, even even though you can poke holes in it, it had something really cohesive about the entire thing. It wasn't just another power fantasy. Like, he is a loser. And you're met, you know, it's a comic book. You read the comic book and you're kind of like, Man, and it pokes fun at itself. There's a reflexivity there to the game, which I was, which I found interesting. I mean, it's a bit kind of like film school, you know. But but at the same time, the game's called Max Payne, and this is on a side note. When people were like, 
oh, it's very verbose Alan Wake, isn't it? He's like, his name's Mr. Awake and he's got insomnia. Like, come on now, please play the game. I know video game people are quite literal, but, you know, come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously this transferred from Remedy to Rockstar. Do you think that is to Max Payne 3's benefit? Do you mean, because I don't know, well, obviously it's because Take-Two bought the IP, um, but they could have, you know, employed Remedy to make another one. I guess Remedy at the time had just done, well, they were making Alan Wake. Yeah, during and the that another game which was in a bit of problems. That other game. Fully open world, wasn't it? Like, I, like Deadly Premonition became to be. Oh, right. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I think it was a good job that it switched from Remedy to somebody else. I, I, I thought, having played Alan Wake and then uh, Quantum Break, mm. uh, I've lost interest, I think, in Remedy. And also, if you play that second Max Payne game is good, but it, 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 it's very similar in pretty much every sense to the first. Yeah, it's, um, it's like a better-looking version of it in many ways. Yeah, it? it's the same story retold effectively. Yeah, and it's it, yeah, exactly. It's it's like thematically really consistent, and it, I still like it. And it's got a lot of really interesting little flourishes. That funhouse level in the second Max oh, Payne yeah. game is, is terrific. But um, leaving it for nine years and then transferring it to a, a different game maker gives like uh there's a little freedom there to just sort of wrench it out and do something utterly different with it and it's not it's not often that you get that i don't think in games generally or even in like movies or whatever where they just like completely reinvent the you know the aesthetic and the setting and all that stuff and yeah i'm I'm, I'm really glad with what they what they did with it putting in brazil and he's older and fatter and um, (laughs) i mean he's never been more of a more of a waste, does he? In, in no, the and they, game, he's 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 useless. Well, he's not useless, obviously. You know, he manages to make it out of there. But they dispose of all the all the supporting cast from the previous two games. They they take it out of the nighttime. It's a, a very kind of daylight uh, set game, and the, the music is very different. Everything about it is different. It doesn't scream Max Payne immediately, and I I, I think that that's precisely what it needed. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about a few positives then, because I know I know we've got things that we we're hung up on. I mean, the whole point of this podcast really is that we, we get to address, like we've already said here, like it's an interesting game. It deserves another look. And I think it's something that, you know, it, it's not backwards compatible. It's not on new consoles, but if you've got one of those older consoles, then then it, it it's so cheap. Like it's £2.50. In, and the in, PC version still looks amazing. The PC version looks amazing. Incredible. I mean, I played through it on the 360. It's still, you know, it, it's a bit stiff. Some of the backgrounds are fuzzy, but generally it holds up pretty it looked, well i think it looked great at the time yeah. and like i said the pc version i played it this morning before i attempted to get somewhere in london which was a mistake but that's an aside and uh yeah it's it's absolutely fantastic in its look uh, but to pick up it's probably about you know talking about its aesthetic and you know and by that I don't just mean like how it looks but everything else associated with that term yeah it's it is incredibly consistent and one of the things that I think it got sledged for a little bit, but actually now, with the benefit of hindsight, playing it again is that it's actually an incredibly funny game. Um, it knows because, it's, it plays up to the fact that it is a game. Yeah, I thought that the reason why I wasn't too up on it at the time, um, or one of the reasons is I felt that they kind of Rockstar kind of lost that Max Payne edge. Like it's called Max Payne, and you know there was I didn't find it. It, it felt a bit too self-involved for me, and it felt like. They'd seen Man on Fire, which obviously they had. Yeah, it is Man it. on Fire. It is. Pretty. I mean, you know, it's a Tony Scott production. Do you really think so? 
Do you really it, think well, so? Well, in a, in a in a superficial things that happen sense, I think the influence the influence is definitely well, there, in, isn't it? In terms of how it lifts some of the looks and some of the screen furniture yeah. and some of that. Mexico however, City and yeah, versus but, Sao Paulo kind of thing. Yeah. However, in terms of it actually being like Man on Fire, Man on Fire, uh, the Scott version is, uh, you know, he's redeemed, you know, Chris is redeemed by his relationship with the person in his charge. However, in Max Payne, and this is the thing that I really like about it, Max Payne 3, is that he is... He is fucking useless. He is useless. And any time that he tries to do anything positive, it turns into a world of shit. And he, but he knows that. So there's this thing going on in his brain where he's like, why can't... He wants in some way to not be the man he is. But he only accepts to go to Brazil because he's killed the local mob boss's son. He's not out for anything. And he's any man on fire... Uh, after he teaches, you know, Dakota Fanning to swim, then and she gets taken, <laughs> then he has a reason to live. I don't think Max Payne has a reason to live. He he just he exists. Pr- yeah, I mean, toward the the back third of the game is entirely him, pretty much trying to kill himself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he talks about Fabiana. Yeah. Um, after the head of the Brancos is killed um, in the office. Yeah. And he's like. And there's a lovely moment where he picks up her picture as he's trying to get a bottle of Jack Daniels out. And he's like, yeah. oh, well, if, if I could just save her, then drops the picture and then gets exploded out of a window. And that is the Max Payne story in like three, <laughs> th- three movements of the human yeah. body. Well, if that was the comic, you know, the old comic strip way of doing it, that would be three frames, wouldn't it? Yeah, three of those little exactly. Ding, 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 bong, out you go. Um, I mean, Ed, do you want to pick up on any, I don't know, I aesthetic think- or, or plotline influences from elsewhere then? They've definitely stolen the Tony Scott, the way that he edited Man on Fire. Um, and I think it's to Max Payne 3's detriment. Those cutscenes are, are a little bit hysterical. They, they're um, a bit over the top, aren't they? To yeah, say there the are yeah, too yeah. many cuts within cuts. The words on the screen don't really give you much. That sort of washed out uh, kind of reverb effect he puts on some of the... Uh, Rockstar puts on some of the images. Just, uh, it's distracting more than anything in like a, an affectation. Uh, Man on Fire is a really boring film. Whereas Max Payne 3 is a really exciting game. So I, I'm glad that they left it. I'm glad that they left Man on Fire at a certain point. But you do have that kind of fish out of water, you know, American in the in the sort of you know, what the film would describe and what the game would describe, the kind of savagery of South America. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I can see, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly uh, in line with Rockstar's kind of MO to start with a film and then, build a game out of there um <laughs> i think steve is is that's a really well observed uh look at that scene with the the picture frame in the in the office and max is a a, a fun character to be around despite his best efforts because you're you are aware that he keeps messing this up and in every almost at every level in max Payne three begins with like a stated objective uh, protect the girls while they go nightclubbing. Hand off the money at the stadium. Rescue <laughs> Fabiana. Rescue Fabiana from the dock. Or even just in that fourth level, go and have a drink at a bar in New Jersey. And every, <laughs> without and, without and murdering every, everyone. Yeah. Exactly. And and every single time he says like something, or the game says this is what's going to happen. The opposite happens, and it and it gets much worse. And you know, in a in a popular culture, I think that's often uh, rife with films where and games where men say they're going to do something and then they do it. Max Payne 3 is a kind of a, a notable exception. 
Um, but yeah, like you were talking about, I think I think Mike and Steve, I think you both mentioned this. It's a, it's also like a funny game, and it it becomes a sort of like circus just to see like how self pitying Max Payne can get because <laughs> he he's so. Like, there's, there's such an hypocrisy in him, in, in as much as he's amazingly skilled, like huge, like six foot five, you know, two thirty pound guy. He seems to get who, bigger as the games goes through as well. I, don't, I, I, I genuinely noticed this. Vest, yeah, yeah when he, the at the end, when he's vest, Bruce Willis, he, he, yeah. he, he's huge. He's huge, and he's like capable and and fierce and all of this stuff, but also such a kind of you know violin player. And well, he plays the piano, doesn't he? At least, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> little little Easter eggy bits, yeah. And I, I've I've never I don't think I've ever quite managed to articulate even to myself precisely what it is about that that uh, helps him be compelling. But just watching Max Payne three fuck things up and then complain <laughs> is mm. entertaining. It's yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There is there's something there, and I think after decades of of power fantasy um, and wearing a bandana and I've got a chainsaw on the gun. And hey, listen, I like that first game. But, you know, there is no there is no reflection in, in a lot of uh, video game action heroes because the only uh, thing that they want to elicit really is, you know, I'm the man. Whereas there is that, that thing with Max Payne where you... Some of his responses are not proportional. When he shoots the mob boss's son in the chest for like because he hits the woman with the gun, that is not a proportional response. That is the man on the edge from the you know from the tagline. Um, and then he immediately says, "Why did I do that?" And so mm. the you know there are and I think as well right at the end of each stage or sorry each scene as you might call it where you get the slow-mo where you can just keep pumping bullets into people until you actually feel you know especially as i say the pc version that is grotesque and then and then you're into a cut scene where he goes fuck and you're like oh and there is a reflection period in almost everything that you do in it and the game he he keeps on scrabbling around in the dirt for this meaning in his life and the only thing that he's really good at is killing people and he hates it (laughs) I think I I think that this is it. I think you've you've broken its back because what happens in a game like say Uncharted or or Red Dead Redemption, where we're sort of informed tacitly that we're supposed to be uh, interested in the in the protagonist and his psychology, and I emphasise his psychology, mm. um, is you end up with these characters that are are they're not morally uncomplicated in the sense that they always get like some soliloquy at some point where they, you know, talk about, Oh God, isn't it terrible what I do? Oh, am I really Nathan Drake? Or blah, blah, blah. And they always get like that moment, but it's kind of artificial and it's been placed there deliberately. And it, 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 it feels kind of um, like grandiloquent and, and strained a little bit. Whereas what you've got with Max Payne three is you've got this guy who goes around, albeit in our control, goes around doing the things that you typically expect from a bloke in a game to do kill people and and etc and cause explosions and run rampage and then every single time he he worries about it he's like what 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 am i doing it is he sort of acknowledges <laughs> acknowledges the sort of absurdity of the situation yeah. that he's creating not just the situation he's in the situation he's creating and it's that kind of it's like a the comedy of video games almost like the comedy of action films watching a guy shoot people and then he like us thinking what the fuck? Yeah, it's almost like um, 
the addiction element for Max Payne, in especially in this one, is that uh, you know, in in terms of how people who have an addiction. Uh, that they they can maybe they'll go clean or they won't do the thing and this can be an addiction to anything it's not just the standard vices or things that you know maybe you shouldn't be doing or up to and then once they do it they they want to do it they feel that they have to do it and then they get the bit of they get the immediate kind of remorse or some of them do and max Payne has a lot of remorse in him which makes him more interesting as you're saying there than just the usual man rides into town shoots up the saloon and goes yeah but look i was forced into it because my wife was killed it's like max yeah. Payne makes it very clear that his family were killed a long time ago and he should actually make some positive steps as much as he can but he just can't and yeah. he, and it's secretly i think deep down in it he actually realizes think, he's really good at it i think There's that's a, to Ma- oh sorry Ed, but i was gonna say i think that's to max Payne's credit that this, the writers don't make too big a deal of the family death. He mentions it like once yeah. in a flashback on a boat. Obviously, one yeah. scene starts <laughs> where he's sitting in, in the a front cemetery. looking terrible. <laughs> uh, you know, but like it would have been very easy for the new writers here to go, right, okay, like you say, it's been that amount of time. People probably haven't played the first game. They're not really aware of what's, what's kind of kick-started Max's character as we see it here. But they, they, I think they underplay it. And I think that's to the the story such as it is in this game's credit, which I don't think is a particularly strong story, but I, I think they could have made Max into more of a, a cliche than, than he ultimately is in this game. Yeah. Anyway, Ed, sorry, I spoke over you then. There's a bit in the first game when Max is uh, forced to imbibe drugs and starts hallucinating, and he has this sort of snap, trippy realisation where he kind of looks into the camera and says, I'm in a video game, like that. <laughs> and... Uh, Steve, what you were just saying about how you, you get these characters and their, their excuses, like, oh, I was forced into it, something terrible happened in my past, etc. I do feel like that, that it's so right that Max, Max Payne feels like he is, in some instances, trying to stay out of trouble, but it always arrives. And it's like Max Payne is getting on just fine, and then the video game like shows up, it like, arrives to wherever he is. If he's mm. in a bar, like the video game arrives and starts kicking off and he has to respond uh and that is you know it's hinted at in that first game when he sort of acknowledges that he's in the game it's in 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 the second game the fun house thing that we mentioned earlier which is this kind of like grotesque reflection of everything that's happened to him in his past even though it's meant to be from an old television program Mm. and it is it is like yeah max is kind of painfully aware of almost there's something like artificial about his existence that he can't escape out of um I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm always slightly turned off by like metatextual and like postmodern analysis <laughs> of things because it's. I think that any anyone who starts talking about oh, this is how this is how the films really work or this is how fiction really works is because they've run out of anything else to say. But Max Payne three makes a really good fist of it by uh, yeah having this guy who does all the typical video game guy stuff and then wonders how on earth he's gotten into it in the first place. That's why it's a funny game, I think. Mm. And do we think the? I mean, in terms of, you kind of touched upon it there, Ed. I mean, in terms of like the way that games tell stories, obviously there was a thing recently by you know the internet kind of the the, the, the well games Twitter went a bit mental recently over the again you know about games <laughs> and stories and stories and games. I mean, do do we enjoy this story of this kind of fucked up failure of a of a you know, very, very big air quotes hero. You know, he's kind of does your standard shit, but not in the standard way. And, you know, there's there's not 
there's not even a happy ending at the end of this, really. I don't look at the ending of Max Payne 3 and think, well, you know, he's I, made it, he's contented. I think he's fucking bored. There's, a, and, there's a couple of uplifting moments at the end because he, he doesn't kill the final villain, he just he injures him. And that's the sort of, that's but, a kind of moment well, of restraint for Max. For this guy who's like been... And then he dies anyway. But yeah, still. I was going to say, he, and there's a guy before him, isn't there? Becker, who, I mean, this, yeah, this, is, a, yeah. this is a problem with the story in so much as, you know... Your your kind of end boss is someone who the game has given barely a, a shit about for the longest time until sort of the last hour. That's, and oh, by the way, that's him. He's the bad that, guy. But I mean, there's an option, isn't there, at the end whether you execute the guy or leave him to die. I'm I'm curious I, whether you what you guys did. Oh, execute him. It's not oh, big film. time. Yeah, oh, I didn't. Like, like, he had to go when he was dead already. But yeah. you know the the thing about the story, Match Twenty Three, is yeah, we can sit here and talk about oh, it's great that. Yeah, like Max, Max is a, a sort of sly recasting of the male hero in games. But the story is like, overwritten and, and undercooked and confusing for, for no reason. Not, it, gets, you know, not, it seems to be going pretty straightforwardly up, you know, yeah. the whole kind of like with, with the protecting the family. I mean, we haven't really sketched out the story for people at home or people listening, but you know, ba- basically Max fucks up in New Jersey, kills a, a mob boss's son, gets whisked off to Brazil, uh, where he takes up private kind of bodyguard work for a, for yeah. a very rich family. And it turns out one member of that family is kind of double crossing all the others, trying to bump them off to get some money. And anyway, and so he's protecting them and they keep fucking getting kidnapped. And then Fabiana, the daughter, or the, the, the sister, daughter, wife, wife, the yeah, wife the of wife one of them dies. That. And then another brother dies horribly in a... Marcelo, in a, is it? In, uh, yeah. In the, one, of the, one of the most affecting death scenes. And it's one that I, mean, I don't think about it regularly because I try not to think about people <laughs> getting uh, tires piled up to their yes. necks. And then, but in a, it's a game... It's a game of very gruesome elements, in you know, like I said at the but end of not, every shootout. Like, but this is gratuitously focused on. Well, and, he's, he's, yeah, and, but but they've also, nicked it. They've nicked that death scene from a film called Elite Squad. Which that did a, that not a, come bundled with the game in some places? <laughs> I'm sure I read that. Like it was, like, a, it was. A, I think it was a Brazilian made or Brazilian finance yeah. film. I can't remember the, the the name of it in Portuguese, so I apologise. But it was called Elite Squad over here, and yeah, they've they've nicked that scene word for word well i guess at least rockstar have got the common courtesy to say yeah we we stole that and by the way you guys should watch this <laughs> well, film if, if rockstar shipped its games with copies of every film that it was influenced by you'd get like a carrier bag yeah it'd have to come with a the you know diy shelving unit with a every box game or something. Set, yeah, yeah. But, but with max um well another thing that you don't really realize or well you know you might think it but it's confirmed towards the end is that Yes, he is uh, a drunk, and yes, he has various problems in his life, and yes, he fails in a lot of the stuff that he does, but also he's he's being constantly undermined, not just by himself, but by other agents, and you don't you don't really get that, or you don't really use the the full extent of that to, in, until the end. I think it's until actually when you go to the Branco's. Uh, office building you have that big shootout and you realize that the only person who could have got in killed the man you're protecting knew the code to the helipad on the outside so you know then and then it's a bit like victor is obviously the big bad and such but with uh, the younger brother the younger brother his line in the office uh, about 20 minutes before that when he says, why can't, a paraphrase, why can't people, just because we've got loads of money, why can't they let us just live and have fun? And yeah. he's a lot younger than the other brothers. Yes, and then he so he's, he's actively probably the most innocent of them. 
Well, well definitely. He's the biggest idiot, isn't he? Yeah, and he is just, you know, he is a useful idiot to the people that want his family dead. And then, so the thing that happens to him, his entire life is based around looks and, you know, partying and being the party boy. And he's always wearing all this, you know, very ghastly but expensive stuff, which, you know, it's all all visual. So to see him get flambéed is is something that, when I see him in the game, when I'm replaying it, I'm always like, oh. Every time I see his jumper, I'm like... Oh, it's just it's man-made fibers, is it? It's yeah. going to go bad for you, mate. Um, but it is. I mean, it, it, in terms, in terms, of it's sort of its presentation. You know, it, it definitely doesn't shy away from gruesomeness. But at the same time, I don't think it's overly um, gratuitous with it as well. Or not like you know, it does. It doesn't like someone. Someone tweeted in. We've got a bunch of tweets for later if we get time. And says about like how it's got one of the goriest kind of or the most violent endings of a game, but, but people don't talk about it very much. I guess it's because, you know, when Becker gets, he gets blown up by like a rocket he of his own arm. making. And he, he, shoot the he loses an arm it. and he's all burnt up on one side and stuff. But, you know... Is that any more violent than chainsawing things to Well, no, of course or? it's not. But it, it doesn't it doesn't linger on it as much as it should. And like you say, like or like we said earlier on, like when you get this option to kill him, to put a bullet in his head, there's not even a prompt. It's just you just see your little target over his head, and yeah. if you press the trigger, boom, he's dead. But like the game doesn't give you one of these kind of like quantic dream style, like <laughs> either or situations, like Don't get let it, you know execute oh or uh, or you know let him let him kind of bleed out and and die. I mean, in terms of the kind of uh, you know it connects to the story, of course, the way the story is presented. I mean, Ed, Steve, I mean, is there is there any good thing about it? You've already said about the cuts. I mean, like the cutscenes. It's not that they go on a lot, but they're a little bit too busy. Maybe there's a you know like the, the style yeah. of them is a little bit too it, it overegs itself a bit. I think the story is nonsense and <laughs> uh, it convol- convoluted as opposed to complicated. And um, yeah. the the scenes it's definitely between, too long. Yeah, it's definitely too long. The the scenes between Max and Passos are quite good. They've got a good dynamic. But the scenes yeah. between Max and the the detective, uh, I think his name is Wilson. Well, he's barely terrible. introduced. This is another oh, he's, problem he's, in the it, end of the game. You know, it's like it's like they've had to staple another few hours of game on because the script didn't. You know, after after Fabiana dies, and they and once you realise who the, the 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 Branco bad guy is, they go, "Oh shit, we better manipulate this in such a way so you get another three hours of shooting." They do this. I I feel like you know this might be not, not excuse me. This might not be true, but it's certainly how the the, the game sounds. Is you get the sense that they have some good what they think are good lines of dialogue some some great like one-liners or or just nice bits of cadence that they want to use and then they write scenes around them so you get these really strange like non-sequiturs in max Payne 3 and um dialogue that you can really kind of like hear falling down the stairs like it's really like clunky (laughs) and um yeah you can really see the script really like hear the script and all the scenes in max Payne 3 it's not a it's not a game that flows right it's not like easy on the ears as it were Dialogue wise, yeah, I, 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 I'm always, I, I like the Marcelo death scene because it's, it is, it's, it's nasty, but in a kind of, in a way that like, the death of a Bond villain is really nasty. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's like nasty where the sort of like you've got like a bit of a snarl, you're like, yeah, that's fucked up, <laughs> um, I, I can't personally get too serious about like the intricacies of the plot because it, to me it's it's almost beside the point. I wish the game was better written. I wouldn't let them off for like having a bad plot. But I, the the thrill of this game 
uh, is sort of raw and the thrill of that game is, isn't like it being just grotesque and bold and painting with broad strokes and just fucking more guns, more music, more sweat and more death. And that, that's, that's what is good about Max Payne three. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like almost if I kind of intellectualize the story too much, it's doing the game a favor because the game is the, the story isn't that intellectual. The story isn't, it's like really passe. Um, yeah, but I think so, his yeah, best moments, so you're right, are in um, some of its dialogue when it's trying to get, you know, you, you know, it's like, oh, this is the big idea for the scene uh, is not great. But some of the some of the passing dialogue, uh, I think when was it Passos turns up in New York and says, I've got the you know, I've got the perfect job for you. And Max is just uh, when the is just says something like, "What sitting around getting drunk and feeling sorry for myself?" You know, like oh, you know, it, it is that. But then when it's like this grandstanding, and then towards the end of the game, when you realise that Victor's big thing is like selling people's organs, you know, the game doesn't need I, that. There's I enough. played this last night, and I'd already <laughs> forgotten about that bit. The, you know what? And you go into that hot, like, and you go into that building. It's about five minutes of the game's time. It's like, oh, by the way, there's this organ selling something. Yeah, and there's that, you know, that kind of like cool in a very you know action movie way where he puts the the bottle, the plastic bottle on the yes, end of his gun. The silencer, a silencer which because that works. It doesn't work, but you know, he's. He, but I think Ed's right when you talk about the the griminess of it, and I think. What they do really well in it is that they ch- they change his not just his look, but they change his outfit, and they change it in a way that actually, to me, may- makes clear how uncomfortable he is. So when he turns up in Brazil and he's wearing that suit, proper close protection look, like you know, very flashy. I'm the bad guy's bad guy, um, and he just it feels like it's making his skin crawl while he's in it. And then there's a bit later on, and these, this is a smaller bit where he's in Brazil um, just before he goes to favelas, and he's wearing what I think is a new watch. And it looks like it's meant to be like a Rolex Daytona, and it costs a lot of money. And it's just the sort of thing that someone who was a bodyguard to a rich man would buy. You'd buy because they get paid a lot of money, yeah. and you buy the trinket because there's nothing else. Well, to you spend don't know what on. to do with the money, yeah, because yeah. he lives in squalor, right? Ex- exactly. What, what's, what's and but for him to have this watch says something about to me, and it is very deliberate. Like Rockstar, you know, for all their faults, they, they, there are reasons for this. And then the fact that that watch gets nicked later on, yes. <laughs> just to me, you know, that's a tiny little bit about the character, and they think they did the the dressing of Max really well because if i think if they'd started at the start he's in hoboken he's dressed as max Payne, it wouldn't have had as much effect as when you go oh he's back and now we can see how he looks and then at the end he's just wearing a vest and he's fat and he's bald and he's knackered and beard and whatever i think that's absolutely right and i think that the way he uh he the the way you control max he's really sluggish to move around and you you get a they they put some sort of weight on the movement and he he does feel like you're sort of turning this this quite slow, slightly drunk, old, heavy man <laughs> around these levels, and that that it it rhymes so well, like with what with what you just said, Steve, about his clothes. He does. He he looks like he he really is an ill fit in all of these environments. Uh, you know, literally, metaphorically, blah blah blah. And it, it's in everything. It is. It's in it's in the outfit. It's in the fact there's no subtitles for the Portuguese. It's in the mm. fact that he yeah he moves really really slowly. Um, and then all, all the other things, like uh, if you hit the painkiller, you know, the sort of basically the health kit, the medikit button, he has to like physically tip them into his mouth. You know, the reloads are sort of quite 
laborious and there's things scattered around bullet casings and, and empty clips and all the sort of detritus of all these shootouts is, mm. is left there and that's interesting great... actually yeah when he does toss a clip away it stays there which i didn't notice until there. the second and playthrough yeah if you switch to a shotgun he has to carry it in his other hand whilst he uses i love i love that and, but, but, but it's inconsistent in the cutscenes. sometimes it's there it, and it sometimes it disappears yeah. but it, it it reflects i think absolutely that kind of effort that Max is having to put in through the whole game. He can't just neatly took a shotgun into like invisibility. Like yeah. Game yeah. Program, he goes to the carry his arm. Yeah. yeah, he's he's like he's he's kind of just the whole game feels vaguely out of breath. And that's helped <laughs> a lot. It's helped a lot by, you know, the kind of tribal drums on the soundtrack and um him constantly, constantly like every single level is like an escape from somewhere or he's trying to chase someone. Hmm. And there's just always this sense of being fucking like, exhausted. And that's what gives the shootouts a bit of like fucking bite and traction because shootouts are so often breezy. Yeah. You know, one button to get in cover, one button to aim, and it feels very sort of methodical and oiled. And in Max Payne 3, everything just kind of feeds into this one moment where you're shooting a gun and it all feels very sort of heavy and slow and unpredictable. And that's why, I don't know, it's really pops like, the entire thing. Well, let's let's talk shooting then, because it's a game about shooting in many in many respects. I mean, that is pretty much most of the things you're making Max Payne do when you're not, you know, in the quiet moments when you're doing that video game thing of scanning for various collectibles and you know, pressing print, E or whatever, press to look Y at. to look at a tombstone, yeah, kind of <laughs> bullshit. Um, but I mean, it, I, I remember it. I'm pretty sure when it came out, it was this idea that like it was this revolutionary kind of style shooter, and obviously it was it brings bullet time from the previous Max Payne's. I mean, but but I'm with you, Ed, in terms of like, I was surprised playing it again at just how kind of ungainly some of it is. Mm-hmm. Like the, the shooting is, is it gets very wild very quickly. And, you know, Max doesn't stand up to a lot of, <laughs> to a lot of pain at all. You know, he, he, you know a, a few, <laughs> a few shots and, and he's down, you know, he is a dude after all. He's not, he'd never once straps on some body armor or anything. You know, it's not like you run over a vest and he magically gets stronger. And there, and, and I, I, there is one moment of that. In the is there body station. armor? Is there? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an optional thing you can collect in the police I've station. I've never, but, found, well, I've not found that. Never. But he makes a big effort to find it and put it on and zip it up. And yeah, it's still there. But his vulnerability is still there even when he's got the body armor on. Right. So if you okay. take a headshot, you just essentially die. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're still right. It's still true. He's, he's weak. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I was, I was surprised. I, I, again, first playthrough, I, I remember the cutscenes. I remember bits of the story. By the time I'd finished the second one, you know, you look in the grinds, in the stats, and I'd killed over two and a half thousand people. Yeah. In, in, in two, like, in about, that's about, what, 15, 16 hours of playing a video game? <laughs> that's a big body count, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think with the shooting, there are, so there are moments in it, and I think it's the way that some of the stages are set up. They are so good in the, uh, the level of destructibility. And when, you know, I'm not talking about levolution. I'm talking about when you just start firing a Mac 10 and spraying it. And then suddenly like bits of paper are coming off of desks and, you know, CRT or LCD is just flying everywhere. And, you know, you're shooting through bits of cubicle and it has, there's so, so punchy. And when you, to use an overused term, but it really is. And when you, when you kill people, they, they just, they stay hit to use the football parts. They get hit and stay hit. And their AI, it's not, amazing in terms of they flank you quite well but if you 
play it a lot, you see that when you start firing, they don't just duck into cover, they kind of flinch. So I shot a guy's gun earlier and he flinched. And even if you just like spraying over the top without looking down the site, like they kind of like duck and they use their shoulders to roll their head, like head out of the way before they get out of there. And there's tons of tiny little things like that which make it feel so good. And I think on first glance, you can't, unless you play it quite a lot, you don't necessarily see all of that. But I do think that the character's heaviness is actually, I'd like the fact that he's kind of ungainly, but I do think that the game is too difficult, even on, uh, on medium. And I think that he moves in kind of like a like a box. You know, he, yeah. moves, he doesn't move, doesn't like tank, turn. Tanky. Yeah, he kind of moves yeah. around a point in it. And there's just, I think there's too many deaths from that because because of the way he moves. But still, I do love the shooting. And sometimes when you're running around an office with one-handing you know, a, a machine pistol and everyone goes down, you're like, man, this is the greatest game anyone's ever made. <laughs> I was that, having, that yeah. office set is just wonderful. The, yeah. The, the Branco's that, office, yeah. Yeah, in the, the first shootout in that set and he sort of tells the, the young receptionist and the, the computer expert, says, you know, get behind the desk, don't open the door. And he just kicks that door open and runs out and the cutscene you know, flows immediately into you playing yeah. it. Yeah. And they've all smashed in through the window. He's got this huge, and it's, that's, that's fucking how it's done. You know what I mean? The that's, way he runs in it. as well. I think you're right. That, that really struck me on my replay is that, you know, when he says to the computer guy, he's like, right, stay here. And then he doesn't just poke his head round. He just, it's almost like, fuck Streams this. in. And yeah, just yeah, like yeah. kicks the door open and just levers his way through it. And, you know, I think it's those kind of, you know, if to use the fucking Maxim action as character, like it's like he's finally had enough and now he's back to doing what he like. He in those moments, he kind of knows exactly what he's about. A friend of mine, it. a friend of mine had a bit of a theory on that, and he said that uh, in Max Payne 3, you're playing as a character who's not actively but almost suicidal, so you're mm. meant to play the gunfights in the same vein and just just run in. And like, just be just be brazen about yeah, it. Yeah, but when I played it, that anyway. way, Christ, you know, I know, you, you but to, <laughs> you can, it doesn't last long if you try and play it that way. I don't think that the the cover shooter element helps it, and I think one of the things that I really like from Max Payne Two is that the more you kill, the faster you get, and that I think that works better for two. I'm not sure it would work amazingly well for three. It hasn't a. It does have an adrenaline system, is it? They call it. Was that just multiplayer? In, no, it's that's multiplayer, one. I believe. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's very obvious in Max Payne Two. Like I think the screen gets yellower, and it's like that the, from the old, uh, well, the PS2 Shinobi game. Like more kills you get, the faster you get, until everyone just drops around you, uh, and the and the gunfight ends. But I think it sometimes Max Payne Three really falls between two stools, and that why is you know. The, it's at its best when you're running in and, you know, kind of, and the animation looks so good when he's got a trailing arm and a, a pistol behind him and you're, you know, ducking into behind stuff. But then it's like the actually easiest way to play and the most effective way to play is to hit Q or whatever and go into cover and then just free aim. And I don't know, it's an uneasy alliance between getting a cover shooter element in there, yeah. but you've also got bullet time. I mean, it, it gives you the dodge, the, what's it called? Bullet shoot dodge, dodge, right? Shoot dodge which, you know, it tallies how long you've spent in it yeah. and everything I mean, that else. is great. Um, but I mean, it goes back to the weight of the character, I suppose. The shoot dodge in Max Payne 3, where he kind of launches himself. And smash your head in into something. <laughs> he's fucking decks himself on stuff. It's quite, you know, it's accidental comedy in a lot of ways. I mean, I saw a video in, of, of it and I immediately did it when I got there. In the, in the kind of 
final stage, which is in an airport where you're chasing down uh, Victor Branco before he gets on his uh, plane and, 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 and escapes, uh, you, you can just slide down the middle of escalators to shoot <laughs> Dodge your way onto the middle of the escalators. He slides right down, lands sprayed out on the yeah. floor, you know, just like just like a, like a fat old drunk man, you know, which is exactly <laughs> like, what Like is. us later on. Like, <laughs> like, like, well, like us most most evenings. I'm sure well, Ed, Ed doesn't drink. It's a, it's a good boy. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, we've mentioned the office thing now. I just mentioned the airport. Um, I mean, it, it's a game where, you know, it has a lot of flashbacks. It goes back to New York, to New Jersey. It, it, there's a whole, quite a long section in Panama, which is a flashback yeah, like um, on a, in the Panama Canal. I mean, do we do we have favorites between us? Places, times where you think, you know, that, that that's where the game is at its best for either because of the, you know, the moment to moment action or because of the environment it's in or the combination of both? It's hard to choose. I think there are so many and it's hard to choose not because i don't think there's one level in max Payne 3 that's definitive but every every single one has got like a sequence and it, it's hard to pick which has got the strongest sequence or a couple of sequences so i really like the, the first level in the favela and you have the shootout in this uh sort of very unattractive looking strip club and then oh, yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> which is a really 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 horrible section and then uh, the rest of that level was, was great as well. But then you've also got the aforementioned level in Panama, which has got some of the, the best music in the game. And also this terrific sense of what the fuck is going on because Max sort of wakes up from a, a drunken stupor to find yeah, out that people yeah. have arrived. And there's a, there's a sort of mystery in that level that you don't get in any of the others. Well, that's then, what he's working out who Passos is effectively, isn't he? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, that's... that's, that's Passos is his partner, ostensibly his partner at the start mm. of the game. But yeah, he, it turns out that he's... Not all he's cracked up to be, but, um. and then and then the police station, which I think is probably my favourite uh, for reasons again that I've, I've struggled to articulate. There's something about this game that that almost like belies uh, words, and not not in the sense that it's so good you can't put it into words. It's just like there's a <laughs> there's a there's a sense in it that I can't quite yet uh, reduce into words. Um, but the, the police, oh, sorry, Karen. police station. Sorry, that's no, okay. Uh, yeah, the police station. I think. Um, you know what I think when I about Max Payne is that it's doors now that sounds like a mental thing to just be like it's doors like but if, especially in the police station now there's been a lot of police station shootouts in cinema and and games and um, a lot of them just feel like offices where the police might may be but as you get deeper into that uh, so every you know you go a lot of the cutscenes are done on doors there's reasons for that like technically but i love that any time that max like enters the next like he's wearied and the police station just gets grimmer and grimmer from its top floor which is respectable essentially and every time he opens a door things seem to get worse and worse and it's a that is a far cry from one of uh, well, he ends up in the morgue doesn't he yeah and then no, wait, in, that's, the, in that's the cells the cemetery, yeah. he ends up in the cells and all that and f uh, when you consider the the glitz and the glam of i love the opening stages uh, you know, when he jumps onto like the awning and shoots the guy and lands up in the water feature. He lands in the pool. And then he, Passos says something like, um, do you need help? Uh, and Max is just like, no, do you? And then takes his gun, slicks his hair and just, but it's not like a cool thing. It's just in a very pissed off dad voice. Like, <laughs> and then in the club, which follows that, 
the moment in the in the VIP area, and then there's a DJ. That's the that's a kidnapping, isn't it? Just before the kidnapping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bit that follows it, where you're in the kind of like top of the top of the building, I don't really like. But it ends up with a helicopter. There's a few rail shooting moments, aren't there? But the police station is, I think, though the favela is a moment where you know if you wanted to call it such like the heart of darkness, like he has to go into it and, you know, he has to make, cause he's trying, he's making the journey there that he's been threatening for a while, but the police station just seems so otherworldly in it's what is, why am I here now? How has this happened? And then, yeah, you find that body armor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you find the body armor and he's like, Oh, I didn't, I don't, he doesn't just go zip. He's like, as Ed's like, like, oh, do I have to put this on now? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I just think that the game, I think Ed's right that the story is just, as soon as you get anywhere near that that building, it's like hostel or saw or whatever, where they're harvesting the organs. It's it's an old hotel, isn't it? You're like, yeah, you're getting away from really what I really loved about the game. And there's just too many twists and turns. It just, I mean, as Ed says, the thing about him is he's just fucking knackered. Like it doesn't need organ harvesting. That's no, not. You know. This is this is making a bad day worse right now, isn't it? Or, or maybe yeah. It's it's. Uh, I mean, he, he says. I'm, I'm sure there's some quotes. I can't remember. Obviously, I can't remember that he says something about like you know this is a day that started lying in shit. Yeah, know, in piss and shit. Because like he's in the. That's where he sees. Uh, what's his name? That the Marcelo uh, is dead, and he hides with Passos's girlfriend, yeah. wife to yeah. be who is the sister of Fabiana. It's not a very complicated relationship, but I'm just trying to remember it yeah. last night. But yeah, he like so like they kind of duck down. And weirdly, that's... So Max actually does get a rest. He has a little rest in the middle of this game. Yeah. He lie down for yes, a few hours. Yeah, he has a little sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think that there's... The, one of the things about the police station level is it, there's a there's a sort of severity in there because you're not just fighting gangsters anymore. It's against the police. Mm-hmm. And it's like we've really kind of we've we've gone over the top here. Like the the, the jug is tipped because now Max is killing police officers, albeit corrupt ones. Mm. Uh, well, are they, they corrupt? You know, are they? There's there's no way back from this. You know what I mean? It's it's when he kind of crossed the crossed the threshold. Um, I mean, he's doing that, again what he did in New Jersey, right? Where he has to leave. Like he's now putting himself in a position. He can stay. He can't here, say here ever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he's basically shooting his way into exile with this level. <laughs> um, and then the another great level that I think doesn't get talked about as much when, when at least in conversation I have with about Max Payne three, and I have them often, uh, is the level at the dock when he's trying to rescue Fabiana, and the, there's the whole kind of boat shooting like running across the jetties and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and that level, I can't remember who it was. And I will have to look this up at some point. But there was uh, either an author or a kind of literary critic. And and she said that the most that the strongest sense to evoke in in writing is smell. Like if you can make someone really smell an environment or smell a situation, then you you really got right into their mind. And that level in the dock like fucking stinks. You know, Max (laughs) has got his hair like kind of glued to his forehead and he's covered in mud. And he's got like kind of that bloody arm he's still got from the stadium shooter. And it really feels kind of fecal and like fetid 
and because uh, he checks the water, yeah. doesn't he, before he gets into it? It's like there's, yeah. there's tons of these tiny little touches where, if it was say uh, anyone from Gears of War, it would be you know they'd hit the beachhead, but they don't. Like Passos pulls up, and you know because he puts a silencer on just after that, and he he goes to get out the boat, and then he looks in the water, and you're not sure whether the water itself was unclean or he thinks that there's something in there, but just with just a tiny little movement of his head, he's like you know, is not all action, even though he is technically, but the, just the look of him like, oh, oh. There's, a, there's a, a sense in that whole level that Max is contracting something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> malaria or cholera or something, just, just from being here. Um, and it does, it, it makes the whole thing that that little more like tangible, gives it that, that bit of bite. Um, but you don't get in games. We like even the most violent games that are, so like airy sometimes and Max Payne 3 goes to really extensive lengths to make you feel like you're there uh, yeah there wasn't often where I where, where I kind of weirdly the hotel yeah the organ the organ hotel I didn't I didn't vibe that as an environment that did feel kind of thrown in there it just felt, it felt like a generic kind of uh, kind of action uh, horror game setting yeah like broken I think that, down. that's yeah. the weakest level I'd say yeah yeah um, the, the other thing I didn't I don't like about it I generally don't like these in games anyway but and I've forgotten about them until I replayed it, but Max Payne has QTEs. He has fucking, you know, quickly press this yeah. or quick, you know, quickly do this. Some of the time it's the slow motion, shoot grenades out the air. I mean, you know, the end boss, you know, again, very big air quotes, you know, you beat him by shooting one of his own rockets, you know, out of the air. And there are bits of like, there's a bus, there's the boat, and there's a helicopter, bits where you're just hanging off the side of a vehicle kind of with infinite ammo, just like laying waste to people. And I just think, yeah, in those points, it's a little bit, it, it loses me a little bit. And, and also the, the, the QTEs are, cause they kind of come out of nowhere. Some of them, it's like, oh shit. Like you, you're in this momentum of a game lurching from this shoot out to the next, to this fucked up situation, to, you know, crashing through a door and then boom, all of a sudden you've got to press this thing real quick and you fuck it up. And it's like, you know, you get the kind of three stage dun, dun, dun dead. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh no, that you, that you didn't need these here. Rockstar really. I like the bus one. Uh, I like the bus one because it, it turns into that great sort of, Fuck me if you're using military terms like I know what I'm talking about. It turns that great sort of static defense section where you're just in the back of the bus shooting out through the, the broken window or these guys yeah, like that. Yeah, that, that's there's, it, a, there's, there's a terrible quick time event during the Marcelo death sequence. And I forget the name of the character now. What he's the, barely the, in the it. Scarred up, the scarred up yeah. face. Yeah, he's one of the, the, the what are they called? The he's not commando. Uh, Kratos, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got Kratos, a massive machete, yeah. right? Yeah, and you've seen him a few times up until this point, and it, it, it's sort of barely implied that there's going to be some sort of, you know, encounter with him. And it's like you just tap three buttons and kill him in a... In a, it, in it's, a it's literally two. left trigger, right trigger, A, I think. Yeah, it's just you such know, a... Press such a, a to put his own knife in his own neck. Yeah. Um, such an anticlimax. It, yeah, there's a few of them. Like, I, I mean, I genuinely felt, and I, 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 I said this on Twitter, and a few people said, no, the ending's great. You know, I thought by the time we got to the ending, you know, already, it was already over long. There are some great bits in that final level. You mentioned the music. That's when the, mu- the, the people who did the music, Health, they kind of, kind of, you know, they, they kind of hit their crescendo, I suppose, mm. with, with a track called Tears as you're plowing through this, this airport terminal. And you know, there's even, you, know, you can get some vocals in there as well. It's like suddenly becomes a... A, almost like a you know a, a murderous music video or something but th- then yeah the kind of qte end and 
it feels a bit anti like an anti-climax for me and 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 all of those kind of quick now it's over qte things do i think the end of the game for me is the it is in the airport and it's uh becker is standing on top of those metal stairs with a grenade launcher and there's a i can't remember what the track is called uh, but it's another. It is another one by Health. Oh, it's going to annoy me now. That I can't remember the name of it. There's, there's one it. after Tears. Yeah, where where there. And it's just it's just drums. Exactly, exactly. And that to me is like that's the swell of that game. That is the the fucking moment in that yeah. game. Well, that just, carries over, doesn't it? Into the there's a chase right at the end where you, that's you the bit to, it doesn't need. <laughs> you have to shoot. <laughs> oh my god, they're blocking the runway. Yeah, and, you know, there, there's there's nothing to it. You just point a gun and cars explode in front of you and, <laughs> yeah that's the, it, that's again the it it's, need. there are bits of padding here that's that's a but big, everything big is every level i feel is just about 10 to 15 minutes too long like every single one uh even the levels that i really love the panama canal bit is you know is fantastic and then the, and that's one of the levels where you can really explore because you have all the the cabins and you, yeah. you, you know, when he goes Even in there, when you get out, you're in a visitor center, which is yeah, cool. which is kind of cool. You know? And then there's just another bit that goes on and on and on, and then suddenly they're zip lining in, and it's just the natural beat for it to kind of end is often missed by quite some distance. And especially, mm. I mean, I I kind of like the very end of it with the plane is he trying to take off and you you get the uh, well they're 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 taxiing at least yes yeah yeah. i mean it's not anywhere near as bad as the latest james bond where he shoots the helicopter down with a pistol over uh by the houses of parliament not talk to me about but but at the same time you know uh, but again actually the bits that i didn't like in the airport were the almost those middle sections where you're running through another atrium and all there is is guys in armor even though the soundtrack is amazing there, I felt they could have just lost one of those. Well, like mm-hmm. you said, that's like a double, you basically repeat the, the same yeah. thing. Yeah. So, and the same, you know, when you get to the top of the building, when you're when, at the very start of the game, and suddenly you have to get in the helicopter again, you're like, you know what, I just, no. And yeah. the, the stadium, now, when they previewed the game, the stadium was the game that they that we saw. And uh, that was where we saw all of the really cool mechanics for the first time, like the way uh, you know the way the way the game operates generally uh, in terms of how Max uses uh, his body, how he uses his weapons, how he holds the weapons, all of that. But then he, by the end of it, you're in a sniper, another sniper sequence, and there's a great moment in the bleachers where you just run out and leap. And you're like, you feel like you're 500 feet in yeah, the air, like oozing the steps people. away below you, and the steps <laughs> yeah. are obviously descending away from you. But then you're like, oh, now we're back into another atrium, another bit, another bit of the stadium. And to me, that's where it kind of really falls down because it has all this extra padding. And then goes, yeah, but there's also a subplot about hearts and that. And you're like, yeah. I don't care about these people. <laughs> I care about Max and his drinking I, I might have been more into the hearts and lungs and stuff if, if it had been better teased earlier rather than just walking into a, you know, you kind of go, okay, they're taking people away. What are they doing it for? Yeah. yeah maybe that's one of a hundred possibilities they're taking them away to code the levels for the rest of this game because we keep <laughs> on putting more of them in it's a well it's a big team i mean the development costs i mean i don't sorry to mention something quite prosaic this late into the podcast but it cost well supposedly in the region of 105 million dollars to make which is more than red dead uh cost uh but it sold or it shipped sorry around about four million which take two had said was the amount they needed to sell to begin breaking even 
So no more Max Payne then, guys. Pretty much is what. <laughs> well, we're, there you go. What we're looking at. It was out. Yeah, I don't know about that, right? Because I, I like to think that Rockstar don't really care that much these days about money. I'm trying to. Think, well, I swear, there's another game they might sold, not, but Take Two bad, certainly do. But they, yeah. yeah, I suppose Take Two. Does. But it had a lot of problems, didn't it? I mean, I remember when it wasn't it announced in 2009, yeah. and then immediately went dark. And again, Red, Red Dead Revolver sounded like sounded like shite, didn't it? Yeah, and I got a seat. Yeah, it did. They didn't. I thought that Capcom made no. Capcom was no, making it originally, they, weren't they? And then yeah, they took started. Over. It, yeah. And uh, there seemed to be a lot of those issues with Rockstar. In I mean, if you remember that GTA Four was delayed uh, by six months, and that was unheard of really at the time because you know you had those smaller development cycles. Vice City came out what a year, well, and yeah, then yeah, obviously then you went to two years, and then you're up to and then and the, with San Diego for Red Dead Redemption. Um, and then there was the issues with Max Payne as well. It seems like their kind of reach was almost exceeding their grasp and the things that they wanted to do. And it costs a lot of money to staff up. And like a lot of those projects would have just been, if not binned, put into turnaround yeah. or whatever. So in terms of its, you know, the costing, the gross cost as, as quoted, I, I, you know, I think they're, they're making so much cash and Max Payne is still a name that they could learn the lessons, yeah. basically, and go, right. Is this is this the kind of game, I mean, three, I mean, you know, we're obviously talking about it because we would encourage people to play it. Yeah. Um, is it the kind of game that, that would benefit at least from a Red Dead-style backwards compatibility kind of Xbox One? Now you can play this on your new system. And you say it's still available for PC. Mm-hmm. I don't see it being a, you know, remaster candidate, but, but at least making it so that you don't need a 360 or a PS3 to play it on would be something. Mm. Yeah, if they if they put it onto the PlayStation Four shop like they have done with basically with, with, know, the, with bull, everything bull, else, bully, yeah, bullies on there, the warriors is on there. I think now they've not gone as far back as Smugglers Run because <laughs> nobody <laughs> gave a fuck about Smugglers Run. Um, but it's yeah, table they, tennis on there. They yeah. put lots of stuff on. There. Is table tennis on there? Oh come mm, on now! Not that I know of. You know why wasn't table tennis ever a mini game in a, in a, another Rockstar game? I kind you, of it is, isn't it? it? Like well, can't you? In GA5, you can play tennis, tennis. You can, can't you? Yeah. yeah. No mini games, no Rockstar style mini games in Max Payne 3, but you can watch the TV, I yeah. noticed. And and like I said, there's there's pian- moments where he can play the piano. But uh, yeah, those TV things are weird. Do you think those are hangovers from. Do you think the TV. Well, so there's, there's like a whole TV show in there. Well, they, I think the, the other bad ones, boy. Baseball Bad Boy in, in the other games, uh, as I was saying earlier, you know, when he says, I'm in a, a video game, it's the whole game is about you being in a video game and you knowing that you're in the video game. And Captain Baseball, Bat Boy, often refers to things that you've done or foreshadows things that you will be doing. Uh, and, you know, at one point you get tied to a chair and you fight your way out with Captain Baseball, Bat Boy's Baseball Bat, essentially. Or you see something like that and then it happens. Um, and, yeah, that's I think that's the, the bit of the difference between, between the games. But, yeah, I think I actually think it's a game... That's it, that it gets stronger, uh, like because I, as I said, I reviewed it years and years ago, and yet it's still floating around in my brain. And I think because it's because exactly of those reasons that we've talked about that and Alien Isolation. Occasionally, I just think, 
Man, I really liked Alien Isolation. Isolation is, is very... But that was well long, though, wasn't it? it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, two, another game that <laughs> suffered from padding, yeah. But weirdly, one that didn't, was, was which, which obviously has had a bit of a... or enjoying a bit of renaissance right now because it's coming out on PC, is Vanquish. That kind of floats around the same area as Max Payne 3 for me as a previous-gen game that I think about yeah. a lot and would like to replay. And, yeah. and I probably will replay now my 360 set up. But um, uh, just, just between us guys, I mean, uh, I want to read out just a few tweets, but like any kind of closing thoughts on max Payne 3 that we haven't maybe touched upon yet you know ed i know you you've probably got lots of ideas that you have lots of thoughts that you haven't been able to say yet i think the the closing uh recommendation i'd give for max Payne 3 and it is a recommendation even though it's it's a again it's not without it's uh shortfalls but max Payne 3 if if you talk about i don't know this is this is a, a particularly uh flowery comparison so forgive me but if you talk about how certain <laughs> certain film directors have perfected certain techniques like uh john houston and the western and whatever and pt anderson and the long shot max Payne three is the shootout like no no game has done shootouts just purely like focus so much on shootouts and got them so right um and it's worth playing just for that yeah five of that yeah I, mean, I agree i think those i think that the further to that it's just what we were talking about just that the game um the game actually gets better in terms of uh, max himself not the story but the character um or more interesting the more you play it and the more you pick up because a lot of the delivery of his dialogue is very curt or you know snidely you know phrased or but it's when you go back there are lines that i just did not remember being in there and yeah it's just very interesting after another five years of man with gun handles scenario, yeah. Max's gun handles this scenario up into the point where everyone dies and then makes everything much worse. Yeah, yeah. The more he kills, the worse it gets for the most part. Um, I, yeah, I, I, quite a few people um, seem to be quite engaged with with this game when I asked for any comments or questions. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just read out a few. Um, we've obviously mentioned, oh, that, that violent death scene, by the way, comes from an at lithium project. So thanks for them regarding Becker's demise. Um, at John Jin, he says he was never been a fan of horde modes, but if ever there was a game crying out for it, it's Max Payne three, the best shooter, but with too many cutscenes, which kind of goes back. There is an arcade with, mode though. There is an arcade mode, isn't there? Which is, which has no cutscenes. Yeah. I play, it's, that is quite, it's a good way to, to actually experience the game once you've finished it. Um, But yeah, I know in terms of like a properly made or, you know, for that Horde experience. But I, you know, arcade mode's fairly cool. Yeah. Quite a few people said about the, well, Jamie Otzer, at Jamie Otzer, my main question was why it's nowhere near as good as the first two and says that Max Payne 3 broke his heart. Expectation is a terrible thing, my friend. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, Max Payne 3, this is from um, Belarius. Max Payne 3 what, at, on Twitter wasn't a good Max Payne game, but it was an excellent stranglehold follow-up. Oh, that's... No. Ooh. No, come hey, on. Listen, listen. Come I on, never man. played John Woo's Stranglehold. was a long time ago, and yeah. I kind of liked it. Stranglehold is... <laughs> stranglehold is a shambolic... Like, I don't mind the game, but... We should point out, yeah, this is this is, that's a very early Xbox 360 Strang- game, isn't it? Yeah. Stranglehold is it's meant to be like a John Woo thing and John Woo's movies are like balletic and choreographed and whatever and Stranglehold you're just bumbling like it's very it's very scrappy and very whatever Max Payne 3 as we talked about I think for a lot of the show is cohesive the the fights are quite lumbering at times but it it feels sort of there's a poetry between it and everything else that's going on in the game Stranglehold's just a mess 
I've, I mean, I've seen it plenty of times for like 50 pence and I've never picked it up, which probably Still tells right. us something. I bought, I bought it now. I bought it new. Bought but then, it new. you know, I had, you know, what else was there to play? Well, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. When you first got the PS3, it was Stranglehold, The Darkness, and Modern Warfare. Hey, The Darkness is all right. Yeah, I love the Sequel's it. much I mean, better. Yeah, ooh, oh, controversial. Sequel's much better. This is a whole other sequel's podcast. We'll, we'll get onto this later. It's we'll the 10th, we'll 10th, 10th anniversary <laughs> of The Darkness in a few weeks. Well, Should we listen, do this again? We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> it's got Mike Patton in it. I'm writing about that right now, Mike Patton, <laughs> for the magazine. Uh, anyway, uh, Richard Wakeling, who's who's written for us before, he says he loves how Max's appearance changes. It reflects his, his, reflects his mental state, leading to the, obvi- the obvious symbolism of shaving his head. We did kind of mention he shaves his head, but I mean, there's no... This is after Fabiana dies and he is it after no he's no it's not uh, it's not uh, after yeah, it is because he's he, it's after it's she's the, um after he fails to no it's after the, he fails to catch her at the dock it's after the, the explosion at the office it's after the office he goes into the yeah. fella yeah yeah i mean is that is that on the nose then or was it it was all right i mean i mean it's did, uh, did it's, he have nits some, from his <laughs> apartment <laughs> which is minging <laughs> it's something you get in um there used to be a net by this but there's a name for it i mean i used to remember the name for it uh, in noir movies, there's right. usually a scene where the character like shaves or removes their hair or sort of dresses themselves properly right. for several the whole time because they're preparing for the sort of uh, confrontation. It's like yeah, a kind of yeah. purging moment. And I think that it's, yeah, it's one of those. That's what that represents. It's amazing that we've got this far into this podcast. That's the first time anyone said noir for, huh. for a game series that was that was entirely rooted yeah. in that. Yeah. Was was was. I don't think Max Payne is at all. You, I mean, there's bits of it, the cemetery bit, maybe. They call it neo noir. <laughs> yeah, which just makes me think of the Matrix. What with all the jumping around, bullet dodging, doesn't mm. it? But uh, yeah, um, thanks to everyone that. Oh, should I, should I mention him? Why not, Kurt McKean? We know him, don't we? Oh, we do. He's we do know. Kurt. He just said. He just. He just said, "Good game, but too many cutscenes." I think. I think that's. And unfortunately, you know, Max Payne Three's unfortunate legacy in a way. There are. There are. It, it, it's not. There's too many, but. They, they just need to bit... cover up the loading, don't they? They do, and there's a lot of that. Yeah. Yes, even even now. Um, sorry to mention it, it's just the, what I'm playing it on. But you think yeah. five years later, on you know the PC, you so you can skip some of the cutscenes, but then if you hit a button, it just says still loading, still loading, as if you're yeah, being told yeah. off. Like, don't, yeah, not now, yeah. Yeah. not now, yeah. mate. Don't rush us. <laughs> It'd be like it's five years, okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. still need a super PC to run yeah. it, really, probably, yeah. Um, well, cool. I mean, thanks, guys. Um, and thank you for listening to us talk about Max Payne 3 for a whole bunch of time. I was going to ask you guys what you've been playing more recently, but frankly, I can't be asked. I don't play video games. No, anymore. you don't. And Ed, I think you've been, uh, have you, what have you been doing for bullet points, Ed, for your, uh, your bullet points? We're doing, we're doing Prey this month, and I need to get, I need to get cracking with it. What was it? I, I finished a game earlier this week or last week. Oh, oh, God. I'll tell you what I've been playing. <laughs> I know what I've been playing. I went and got because I'm I'm planning to do something on it, and because I'm go I'm doing my annual rewatch of all the Bond films and reread of all the Bond novels because I'm a freak. You're a bit of a yeah. You've got a Bond book in you at some point, Edwin. I, I, I've, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so I went and bought uh, 007 Bloodstone from 2000. The best five out of ten game of all time. <laughs> that is a game that I think like eight people bought. <laughs> and I, yeah, I finished that the other day. So is that, that was it's a, a game by a, a driving like, developer by Bizarre Creations, where oh, the shit, driving yeah, is it, terrible. Yeah, after yeah. Blur, where the, the driving is so is terrible, yeah. and the shooting yeah. is just that game just, killed oh, Bizarre. I, 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 when it I was did. playing the driving, I was like, "How on earth have these guys done?" <laughs> but presumably, it's because the driving guys were making Blur. 
and the other yeah, guys I in mean, the office were making. But you think they'd go, thing. guys, that we're having a bit of trouble with the old, Do you know the old thing we're famous for? Physics. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I've never played it, but yeah, oh dear. Well, that's, 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 that's not so good. Um, I've been playing, I was playing Thumper this morning on the Switch. Ooh. I'm glad that's coming to the Switch. Yeah. Thumper, yeah. Thumper's a game. In fact, if, in fact, if you like the health soundtrack to Max Payne 3, you'll probably like the music in Thumper as well. Um, it's pretty, pretty pounding. Um, where on earth in the wild west of the internet can people find you chaps if they want to follow you and listen to your inane tweets? Listen to them? Read them? Oh, what a terrible thing to say. Well, they're not always well, the inanity the of the last yeah. lie, was Well, you it? just talk about golden Uzis. Golden Uzis. Uh, which yeah, even... I have the golden Uzis. Well, I, well, I realised today when I booted it up that yeah. I have the go- well, it's a actually gold. actually Mac-10. But listen... Uh, yeah, Jim Burns, Dave is that's me and my boys, our production company. Yeah, and I, we do like videos. And I do didn't even mention that you make films, Steve. Sorry, yeah, we you know we made the we made the best Resident Evil movies of all time. There you go. That's a fact. That's yeah, a fact. You can find them on, on the internet. Uh, Ed, I mean, obviously you, you you write for Waypoint on the on the on the regular pretty much, but you do bullet points as well. Uh, what else is going on for you? I mean, bullet uh, points everyone should check out. It's a great podcast and website. I should add that uh, the, the university course that I went on and the university that I went to was the same one attended by Paul W.S. Anderson, who did the Resident Evil films. Paul Wankstein Anderson. Was, yeah, he was, he was uh, you know, a, a beloved son of the Warwick University Film well, Studies Because he did shopping. Uh, <laughs> I bet that's the fucking reason, isn't it? And also, I saw American, Explen- American Splendor in Warwick at the university and it broke. The projector broke and it took me about five minutes to to realise that the projector had actually broken and it wasn't oh, yeah. just the film being the film, you know. So, there you go. Well, good. Uh, Ed, where can people, and you're on, you're on Twitter as well, obviously, but if people want to follow you, because you, you mainly tweet about your video game stuff, to be fair. Yeah, sorry, I, I, the, the audio blanked out there for a second, so I don't know if you said anything that I've missed. But yeah, you can, uh, bulletpointsmonthly.com is the website where we where we write about shooters, me and some other people. And yeah, yeah I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter. Just put Ed Smith waypoint and you can find me on twitter and then do that yeah uh while you're on twitter you can follow waypoint at waypoint you can find us on facebook please do at waypoint vice you can follow our streams on twitch at forward slash waypoint you can visit the waypoint website which is waypoint.vice.com which is where we put all the wonderful stuff including the podcast the videos and tens and hundreds of articles written by fantastic people about fantastic things uh Thanks for. I always say tuning in. No one tunes into a podcast, do they? What granddad speak That's is old, this? Old patter, that is. Um, the next <laughs> Waypoint podcast, though, is live on June the 1st when Steve, you're coming back. I've got here in my notes that you're coming back. These are the facts. These I are mean, allegedly uh, the facts. For E3. Yeah, we're going to try and talk a little bit about what may or may not be happening at E3 because you're going. Yeah. I'm not going. Yeah. But, but we, I'll give we've you both been. Up. We've both been. We've been. We've been there. Um, thanks again to my guests, Steve Burns and Ed Thank Smith. You. Thank you for listening to us waffle on about Max Payne 3. Do check it out. It's one of the last generation's more interesting man with guns destroys lots of other men with gun games. Have a lovely rest of your day. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. 
It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.